Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Waterlead Podcast. I appreciate you all for listening and thank you very much to anyone who has shared an episode over the last few weeks or ever. It's been very cool watching this thing grow and it's also going to be very cool to watch Waterlead the horse grow from this young one-year-old learning how to run to watch him develop into the champion with his talent that his dad Lazarus has blessed him with. It's going to be a good ride. Under the guidance of champion trainer Regan Todd, he will no doubt have him firing and this is the last week to join the syndicate. There's just a couple of spots left. It's 1k up front, no monthly fees which is crucial if you've ever been into horse ownership and it is sure to be some good fun on the track. Also, you've heard me talk about O-Studio, but here's a message from the lad himself. G'day guys, Tim Bateman here from O-Studio. If you're trying to get some more control over your own time and money, and therefore looking to open your own business, O-Studio might just be the option for you. We really are the one-stop shop for all things well-being. We're much like a gym really, in terms of a financial model, but instead of fitness sessions, we offer sauna sessions, ice baths, flotation therapy, massage yoga, pilates, meditation, and a recovery space with tools like Normatex. Look, well-being is a $4.1 trillion industry worldwide, and we've found a model that works, so the key for us now is finding the right people to join the journey. If you're interested, fill in your details at ostudio.co.nz forward slash lad, and I'll get in touch. Back to the show. Uh, what a lad. Well, these episodes with recent retired players have been going down an absolute treat with you guys, so I've ramped it up a little bit more with this time a double Rugby World Cup winner. He's a lad who's played for plenty of teams, including Canterbury, the Crusaders, the Highlanders, and of course the All Blacks before heading over to France, where he racked up 84 games with Poe. He then finished off in Japan with Mitsubishi Dinobores, and he's also someone who's went through more injury setbacks than probably any other player I know. And of course, he is an absolute lad as well. So I'm stoked to have him. What a lad. It is the great man himself, Colin Slade. Welcome, mate. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to, to make the cut. Mate, great to get you in this um, temporary studio that we have here. Um, feels pretty professional. And, mate, you're looking good. Arms are big, strong. T-shirt on, uh, tight, <laughs> cold wash. But uh, no, yeah, thanks for, thanks for getting me in here. It's, uh, I've certainly seen your show, so it's going well. Mate, you're, you're looking in good, Nick. I mean... I see the recent post that you've retired. Caught me a little bit by surprise. I feel like you're you're still good to go. Potentially one more super season in you. <laughs> no, nah. To be honest, mate, like it's all the all the all the injuries and stuff like that. It was just time to, to finish up. Um, you know, I'd probably finish. You know, only sort of announced my retirement. You know, this week, but mm. I'd, mentally, I would. Sorry, I'd retired maybe six months ago. It was just a case of you know I want to be 100 percent sure. So. You know, I took a little bit of time before I sort of uh, did it, and to be honest, I'm not that active on the social media yeah. these days, so it was just a case of getting around to it, but uh, no, I'm done. But yeah, I'm still trying to keep fit and trying to keep some good habits, and um, I'm not, I'm not going to say never say never, but um, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, you said you're 100% sure, you're not going to say anything till you're 100% sure, but I feel a little bit of hesitancy there, I feel like... Um, let's say a couple of Crusader 10s go down early in the season. <laughs> is your is your phone number available? Well, I'd have to I'd have to uh, contact my new <laughs> my new boss. So it's uh, I've just started working with Forsyth Bar. So oh, yeah. um, look, it's a new exciting ad- adventure for me. Something completely different. Mm. Um, sitting in an office, um, you know, a little bit warmer than than training <laughs> in the winter time every year for the last sort of fifteen years. But 
yeah, look, I, yeah, I've sort of sort of immersed myself into something else. I've mm. got to commit to it, and I'm done, mate. How did you get into that? Like that seems like a really quick transition. You said that you've obviously made the decision a little bit earlier than we've seen it, but um, pretty quick transition into um, something completely different. So yeah, like I said, it might seem like it because I've only announced mm. it, you know, last week, but. You know, in my head, I'd been finished for probably three or four months. Yeah, um, I just left that door open purely because I didn't know if I wanted to commit to a new job yet, and you know, something might have popped up. Um, and I've sort of been toying with it. You know, I wanted to get into coaching at some point too. So, um, but you know, I parked that, moved on. For now, I'm going to focus on this new this new gig and see where it takes me. And 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 you know, who knows what will happen in the future? Mm-hmm. I guess, but I'll do that for now. And what does it involve? What what does working for? Foresight Bar, all I know, sort of, is they obviously sponsor the stadium down south, but what do they actually do? Yeah, so Foresight Bar is an investment company that look after people's funds and, and manage people's uh, portfolios, I guess, and as, a, as an investment advisor, so that's what, what I'll be when I, um, you know, when I get the training wheels off. Mm. I'm in there at the moment just sort of flicking through emails and going through compliance stuff, but it's something completely different. But I've always had an interest in you know, the financial markets and things like that. I've always tried to keep active, so I thought, why not you know, give it a crack and... Um, see how it goes you know at the end of the day you know you, you need a job yeah. um, and I put it off for 15 years to get mm. a real job but mm. you know the time's right to, to try something else and did you have to do any study or what did, what did that sort of look like throughout your career to land in a role like this straight away yeah so yep you have to study there's um, various certificates and qualifications you need for that to be able to provide financial advice and um, you know, being in Japan over the last couple of years there was a bit of, a bit of spare time there off the field mm. to, to take that off so I thought you know I'll do that just in case, you know, I wanted to pursue this career and I thought why not, you know, my the reason I've got this opportunity I guess, I had a financial advisor throughout my career to help help me manage my money and um, he kind of went up the food chain a wee bit and started, you know, <laughs> digging into the words I guess to, yeah. to ask me if I was ready to, to come on board and um, yeah, that's how it worked out. Mate, do, do you miss rugby? I know it hasn't been too long but have you missed it? Do you think you'll miss it? Um, you know, if you'd asked me a year ago I would have said I don't think I'd miss it. Mm. Um, and then you do finish and you get quite nostalgic towards the end and mm. you realise how, how good it, it, the environment is and look, I don't miss the injuries and mm. um, you know some of the cold trainings and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, look, it was a pretty relaxed environment, good bunch of lads pretty much across the board wherever I played. So, yeah, you, you do something for 15 years, mate. You're like, you know mm. the lifestyle, I guess, and you become very accustomed to it. So I'll miss that for sure. But, you know, never say never. You know, like I said, it might be something I want to get back into later. Um because, you know, like I said, rugby's mm. you know, great to be involved with, so I might, um, might try it again later. Mm. And you did mention the injuries, and mate, you did have more injuries than most. Like You obviously had some extreme highs in your career, but so many lows with back-to-back injuries and a huge injury toll. Mate, how hard was that throughout your career to deal with all these injury setbacks? Yeah, I mean, it was tough, definitely character-building stuff. Um, you know, double-figured surgeries in the end and um, I ended up being concussions that probably got on top of me a wee bit over uh, the last few years I, I sort of ended up probably close to double figures as well true. quite a few in France so um, and luckily didn't have the symptoms of some people get so yeah. um, you know touch wood see how I go but I think with injuries you, you sort of learn how to cope and how to manage and mm. all that sort of stuff and it certainly knocked me earlier in my career where you know you get an injury you miss an opportunity don't get that opportunity mm. to grow and develop um, and it can sort of beat you up a wee bit I suppose as you get a little bit older you use that time to actually get better in certain areas you know there's worse jobs out there you could be doing than rehabbing back and mm. still getting paid to rehab and get get right so it's um, yeah 
That is what it is. Yeah. Was there ever an injury that you had where you thought about, you know, pulling pin on the game that was really tough for you to sort of get back? Uh, honestly, no, not really. Um, I mean, apart from the head knocks, there have been a couple of times over yeah. the last few years where I thought, well, oh, one more head knock and I'm done. And then yeah. Matthew's Law brings up and he bloody gives you another one and you go, one more. So that probably happened three or four times. So it's, yeah. um, But in terms of, you know, the broken bones and things like that, not really. No. Um, I was too young. Yeah. To, to really put that to bed, and I wouldn't have had the closure yeah. if I'd given it up and walked away. And it wasn't in my character either, to yeah. be honest, mate. Like it sort of roll the sleeves up, sort it out, come back, um, gives you a bit of motivation to do that. And those injuries with the timeline, like the breaks and stuff, there, I guess you've got your time frame to process it, and you know when you're coming out with a head knock. It's a bit different, eh? Like you don't actually know when you're going to come right, and it's a bit more, a bit more hard mentally to deal with. Yeah. And, and the fear of the unknown, right? Like mm. what you're going to be like in the future. And yeah. like I said, for some reason, I just kept getting these head knocks, and I would wake up okay. And yeah. um, you know, some of them I got put in hospital once, don't remember a thing, and then woke up fine the next day. True. Um, and that's not to say I'm toughening up or anything like that. It was yeah. just, and I've got mates who have had one and had to retire. Like yeah. it's, it's quite a puzzling sort of injury. Yeah. Um, and I got lucky in terms of the the side effects after, but mm. you know, I mean, we're all, we're all unsure about the long term effects uh, for now. I'll battle away and no problem at the moment. Yeah, do you have any concerns? Like, how do you feel? Like, mentally, you feel like your memory and stuff's good? We'll obviously test that pretty soon as we go through your career, but yeah. um, how do you feel about, like, your, your mental space? Well, I think as you get older, too, you start, your memory gets a bit cloudy anyway, <laughs> doesn't it? Whether that's, you know, the age or, or the kids that give you the broken sleep or... I always said as I was learning new languages, I was forgetting English, you know? Yeah, it yeah. Was, uh, but... Um, yeah, I mean, there's always concerns, but I mean, a lot of a lot of the concerns that are in the in the public mm. are generated from the media, and we've got to remember the media's entertainment focus, click mm. focus, and all mm. that sort of stuff. And and it's not to discredit anything, yeah. but you know, I listen to um, neurologists and things like that, and I went on my own. We Tour de France at the at the time, and went around about three or four neurologists just to um, you know to check to cross check to make sure everyone was delivering the same message and. They were all pretty consistent yeah. you know, without queuing them on anything in terms of that. I mean, a lot of them were sort of saying a lot of the stuff out of America is a little bit hyped and a little bit mm. um, not hyped, but you know, like yeah. there are different kettle, kettle of fish, those mm. NFL players. I mean, I thought to tackle with the head, they've got, mm. don't quote me, but you know, there's a fear about a drug usage and things like mm. that. And there's obviously a pretty gun happy culture. They're a different sort of culture than, mm. than us. That, but yeah. And saying that, like, I listen to the neurologist, there's no real evidence. Um, there's always going to be a section of society that do have problems cognitively. Mm. Um, and at rugby players, it should be no different. We're going to have a section of rugby players who who are going to have issues, mm. um, whether, it's for, whether it's related to head knocks or not, or just being part of society who have that genetic component. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah, mate, you're giving me hope. You're giving me hope that my <laughs> brain's sweet. I'm trying to give myself good confidence and good self-belief, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, I think I, it is a worrying thing, right, especially yeah. when you get kids and things like yeah, that. Mate, you don't want to yeah. be, um, for all intents and purposes, a bit more vegetable or not be able to remember things yeah. or, I mean, that is a concern. Mm. Um, but but you're not there yet, you're ready to go, you, you've got your memory well, so I, it, Yeah, I've got to use my brain in, in the real world now, so I, yeah. I need it for a little bit longer. <laughs> Well, let's use it now and go back to sort of the start of your journey. Obviously, you're a true Cantabrian, born and bred at Christchurch. Um, what was your upbringing like here? Yep, um, like any Kiwi kid, I guess. You, you grew up wanting to be an all-black or, or a black cat for me. Like a, a lot of my you know, earlier time was more cricket-focused. Oh, was it? But yeah, yeah, I sure. love my cricket. Um, played for Miraval Lincoln or 
Merlins at various times. Mm. Remember old Pat back in my day, Jesus, showing me uh, my age. But yeah, grew up, went to Breen's, um, or Hewitt Primary Breen's, then Christchurch Boys High School, and and that's where I guess like like anyone, you know, the sport influence and the the competitive aspect of it starts to ramp up a wee bit. When did rugby take over from cricket? Um, so I was seventh form, I think it was, where I saw I was playing both, and then um, got the opportunity to play. To trial for the New Zealand 19s um, And yeah There was a Canterbury under 19 cricket tournament On at the same time but I sort of figured that Well once for New Zealand so I'll give that one a crack mm. And um, yeah Went alright, made the team um, And that was sort of, I wouldn't say it was forced on me mm. But it sort of made my decision for me I guess and then from that The academy and that sort mm. of just rolled on from that But Mate, that's way later than I expected I thought it might have been you know Sort of third form because Back end of your Christchurch boys high time, you were you were an absolute gun. There was huge raps on you as a player. Obviously played against you in the final at Jade Stadium. You guys had a stacked team, Tim Batemans and Owen Franks, Ash Dixons, Horrell. Yeah. You, Matt, you, Matt the Todd, list goes yeah. on. Matt yeah. Todd, mate. That's money. Was, well, we we were, had an awesome team. I'm, at, um, yeah, I'm not trying to do my own trumpet, but the, yeah. the, the team performed really well, and um, we had a great set of guys. Like, we didn't lose a game for two years, mm. um, so that. I sort, sort of think that, you know, being in a good environment early sort of, mm. you know, gives you that enjoyment factor. You know, but you also you also class above, like, a lot of the players in the competition at the time. You were kicking off both feet. Like, you had all the skills, you know. So um, you made it look like you were a full-on rugby professional playing against amateurs at the time. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know yourself, as, as a tenor, you're in a good team and everything's a bit easier, yeah. so... You know, and you benefit from that. You get the confidence, mm. um, and like I mentioned, the enjoyment factor of being in a, in a dominating team, um, and then that becomes sort of a new standard behaviour, and, and that's sort of the way it went right through. Went to old boys, same thing sort of happened. Mm. We had a, um, an outrageously good team there with your with your mate Mike Coleman there. Oh. Uh, he was a <laughs> man. You lived time. with him, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Had the pleasure or the misfortune, depending <laughs> how you look on it. <laughs> the guy doesn't like to shower very much. Does no. he not? No, he used to come home from training. Go straight to bed. Did he? Mm. Oh, mate, he kept that quiet. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but no, he was a, he was a pleasure. Um, and and Lebos and Franks at the same time. Oh, so we yeah, all lived yeah, together and yeah. had other couple of guys that sort of popped in, schoolmates that popped in and out. But mm. um, yeah, that was an interesting period. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, you said like you obviously went through the New Zealand age grades, um, New Zealand 19s, New Zealand 21s. What was that like? Yep. Yeah, I mean, that was really good. Um, you know, again, it was sort of like. <laughs> What, what seemed as a, a far away goal started to get a little bit closer right you make these teams and yeah. it sort of it makes you feel like you're not far off so again it sort of incentivises you to to give it a bit more and um, yeah that was great playing with um, I guess guys that even some guys I watched on TV that mm. you know, tend to make the, the NPC for, for the smaller unions and you sort of like oh, holy heck you know I'm starting to play with some serious uh, some serious weapons here yeah. but yeah um, yeah, that uh, was yeah part of part of the journey, I guess, and, and and getting a bit more exposure to some some good coaches and stuff really helped. Were you confident in your own ability? Did you believe that you were going to go on and become an All Black? Did you have this self belief? Um, I think I, I suffered a little bit early on. I was quite a shy sort of guy, so yeah. I, you know, especially when I got into those environments, I was quite mm. internal um, and probably didn't didn't believe, but. Um, and I actually messaged uh, Rob Penny last night. He messaged me after I sort of just uh, announced my retirement. I said, "Like you're one of the guys who, who brought that out of me. Yeah. He was so positive, and and with John Haggard as well, that I had in my first um, couple of years with Canterbury, just really got it. Sort of giving me enough of a rope 
to be able to drive a team. Mm. And obviously, young guy, you're not going to get the full license, you know. But um, you know, they gave me the confidence, I guess, to sort of grow as a person. But um, it's not until you get that sort of that confidence and that personality and the mental stuff sorted mm. that you start to actually grow as a team. I think. Mm. And that you're going into a pretty stacked Canterbury side at the time. What was it like? That was obviously pretty, like like you say, pretty intimidating to be bossing around. It would have been All Blacks and plenty of Super Rugby players at the time for a young ten to just jump in there. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, first day of training, I think I turned up and there was, you know, Kieran Reid. He wasn't the All Black captain then. Yeah. He was still playing ITM Cup, but. Yeah, you know, I sort of years before I'd sort of watched all those guys. Andy Ellis was passing me the ball, and mm. um, I knew Andy from from younger. Actually, he was a, another Hewitt uh, Primary. He was a couple of years oh, old, yeah. a, a few Careful, more years old. Surely yeah, more. Yeah, <laughs> he looks a lot older, though, doesn't he? But um, but um, yeah, uh, and yeah, all of a sudden you're sort of training with them, and again that makes it easier, right? As mm. a young ten coming in, and I've got the ability to sort of sit back and just worry about myself, and they they take control of that leadership stuff. Certainly helped. Mm. And then you went pretty quickly, you went through the Crusaders the following year, um, obviously playing behind DC and Stephen Brett, I well, think too, was it? Well, DC wasn't there, that was that year he went to France, so oh, uh, true. yeah, I sort of got first crack at it there and we sort of struggled a wee bit and then I ended up getting shifted to the wing, oh, that's right. um, which again was part of my journey, right, like mm. those sort of things that... I wouldn't say it was challenging, but, well, sorry, it wasn't challenging from a bit like in terms mm. of handling being moved to the wing, but it was certainly beneficial um, in the long term, you know, mm. it was it was a tough pill to swallow at the time, not playing ten, but mm. geez, I was twenty twenty one or whatever, um, and just sort of rolled it up, rolled up my sleeves, and sort of gave it a crack on the wing, and yeah. ended up playing about nine or ten games straight. There. Had you played wing before? No, was this? Um, I think maybe maybe a game or two for it when I was in the first fifteen. Yeah, just because I was that skinny white guy yeah. that could kick, but they needed a <laughs> kicker, so it was just like chuck him on there, and um, he can kick the goals, but just don't do anything else. So, yeah. but apart from that, no, certainly not. Um, played a bit of fullback. Yeah, these days it's not too yeah. similar, I guess. And what were you goal kicking when you're on the wing? Shucks, I can't even remember. No, he's the concussion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was nearly 15 years, 14 years ago. That one, so <laughs> we'll excuse. I made excuse. Yeah, but um, no, I can't remember. Maybe bits and yeah, bits and bobs. Like yeah, must have. I think Chopper, uh, Stevie Brett must have shared mm. them a wee bit. And how was it like in that environment? Like we've sort of spoken about the Canterbury, but the step up to the Crusaders. I probably found that a little bit harder because mm. you know Richie, the All Blacks are back, right? So Richie and the Brad Thorns, and yeah. they're a lot more authoritative. And um, <laughs> um, and it was probably I sort of noticed, I guess, the tail end of that sort of older culture where it sort mm. of transitioned a wee bit mm. throughout my career, and the coaches sort of drove this whole um, as time went on, I guess, making young guys feel comfortable in the yeah. environment. And it wasn't they made me un- uncomfortable; it was just. You know, like I said, I was quite a shy internal sort of guy. Had to earn their respect, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah you have to. Um, and it probably t- it took me a while to be fair, but mm. um, but yeah, I was still pretty starstruck by those guys for quite a while. Um, mm. you know, I remember one time I went out to dinner with them, and you know, you sort of break off into your little, little guys, but I missed I missed the young guys' bus, <laughs> and I got stuck and looked around, and it was just like me, Richie, Dorney, um, Crocky, you know. <laughs> And like we went out for dinner, and I remember sitting there, and I didn't say a thing. And I just remember being so shy and being like, "What do I say? Can I say something? Can we not pipe up?" And yeah, and that was that sort of summed it up. Like yeah, it was just I wasn't that comfortable at that stage, but I was comfortable on the field mm. um, in terms of playing, getting comfortable. But mm. yeah, just yeah, handling those guys was a little bit. Uh, took a year or two. Yeah. Yeah, in their trust, I guess. Yeah, so calling the shots and stuff, there was no issue there. No one was trying to override you. It didn't feel like they didn't trust you on the field. It was just off the field. It was awkward. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they whether that whatever 
their their status, I guess. They yeah. still need direction from their team, so mm. that's their job. And and that was still my my expectation of myself. So and that's what the coaches put on me. But mm. yeah, like I said, it was more handling the the leadership side and the, yeah, off the field, the social stuff as mm. well. Just being like. Mm. Hi Richie, you know, like <laughs> to feel that never really changed, you know, like it was sort of the whole way through. It was kind of like, hey, what's up, man? Feel, <laughs> don't hate me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as, actually, as you get on and get a little bit older and go through the things with them, they start to loosen up. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've still, yeah. I mean, it's the legends of the game. Mm. It's still, uh, yeah, it still happens these days. I guess. <laughs> I did actually not too long ago at the uh, kids' trampoline park. He's oh, taken true. Through in there. Oh, yeah. It's like, hi, Richie. Remember me? You might have some concussions too, maybe. <laughs> did he not remember you? <laughs> like, well, he looked like he did. <laughs> did you come out to dinner with us here one time? <laughs> yeah, I still remember that time, actually. You didn't speak. I didn't know if you were a water boy or a bloody assistant physio. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. And then, obviously, the All Blacks, like, I think it was the following year, right? Like, it all happened quick for you. You went bang, bang, bang. And um, did you feel like you were ready for the All Blacks? Or how did how did you get named as an All Black? Um, um, to answer that question, the answer would be no. I didn't feel, I didn't feel really only because of the way it sort of happened. I, I sort of got rung up by Darren Chand at the time. Um, and I came in first as an injury replacement. So he sort of said, oh, mate, we need somebody to come along. It was a day camp in Christchurch. So. Yeah. And we just had some extra bodies, so uh, can you come down? And I sort of went down there and um, just did the day. And he goes, oh, actually, we, you know, such and such isn't going to be ready by next week. Could you come up? You know, and I thought, all right. You know, and oh, I, yeah. I didn't think too you much You never actually it. got named. Well, the, then the next day, it's sort of oh, yeah, paper yeah, yeah. that I've been called up to the All Blacks. And I was like, how do I, how do I confirm this? Like, is that what, <laughs> am I in the squad? Like, um, yeah, and then you go up there and... I didn't. I didn't have any real expectation of playing, and I probably got through the first week as you do. Um, and in the second week, I sort of looked around, and there was, it was like no spare backs. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, it turns out like I was that close to playing. I think um, I think it was Corey Jane or something like that was injured, and they were obviously going to put someone to start to replace him, and he ended up playing. But yeah, I wasn't until the Friday. It was like, oh, see, you might, you might be in the team, so just be ready. And I was, True. Holy, I thought I was just yeah, tackle yeah. bags for yeah. a bit here, but. Uh, yeah, um, and I didn't play that first year, so um, you know, yeah, missed out on India tour. Mm. Came back the next year, got called on as a replacement again. This was, this was 2010 or whatever, and then I did play um, and made my debut that year later. And what was it like? What was it like making your debut? Um, it's pretty surreal, mm. um, particularly coming off the off the bench. And like I, I got called in as an, uh, an injury replacement again, so oh, I sort of right. flew in there yeah. and went, got named straight on the bench this time. They told me, you know, <laughs> you're in the team this time, yeah. so I sort of could prepare and. Yeah, I suppose sitting there watching, you sort of felt more of a spectator. Yeah, um, yeah. And all of a sudden, your numbers up, and it's like, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's yeah, it's a pretty crazy feeling. Like you sort of ample energy and just so much enthusiasm mm. and excitement. The adrenaline is probably the best way to describe it. It's just incredible. Um, mm. But yeah, it goes pretty quick, and um, thankfully we won that game. Um, pretty good vibe after the game, and mm. uh, yeah, makes a difference. Eh? And obviously the hacker as well, like. Going from the hacker to the bench, what's that like? Obviously, you're a big hacker, man. <laughs> you always had a yeah. good pukana, etc. So, what was yeah. the what was the nerves like pre hacker? Um, well, I think because I'm, you know, clearly not an intimidating, physically intimidating bloke. Um, yeah, you know, I sort of gave it everything in the hacker, and sort of a couple of times you'd sort of be a bit bloody uh, blackout at the, at the end. But uh, 
thankfully, it's where most of your concussions have come from. <laughs> well, thankfully, I'd go back to the bench after and uh, <laughs> regroup. Have, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know what it would have happened if I had to start, but um, yeah, again, I mean, you're still for the most part, you're still a fan going into that environment, right? Yeah. Like it's such a aura around it, and you sort of but like. Holy heck, I can't believe I'm here for a mm. for a while actually. You know, it's not like it's just done after the first game. I think it's um yeah, it's still still pretty surreal, I yeah. guess, to 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 call yourself an all black and all that sort of stuff yeah. when you're young and oh my jeez, it feels a lifetime ago now. Yeah. You know, being on the outside now, you sort of uh you know what it's like being on the inside and yeah. you get it, but it just seems so yeah, yeah. It seems like an absolute eternity ago now. Mm. And I guess when you're like sort of on the fringes all the time like I guess you ended up playing a fair few tests but you never really cemented yourself as that sort of first choice 10 so you're always sort of feeling like you're not quite involved or running you've got the licence to run the ship 100% especially as a 10 you kind of need that so um, you know I find myself quite often sort of being that third 10 um, so I wouldn't even get stripped I was on the stand I I had more more games in the stand true on the bench even or on the field so um, but I mean it was still awesome, you know, to be front row seats, especially come World Cup time and stuff like that, mm. to, to be able to sort of be on the inside of of a pretty tight circle come mm. those times, um, you know, and, and, and be able to contribute and help those other guys. Um, and I sort of, you know, I took took my own sort of way, but like, hey, I'm in the best environment in the world to be the best athlete I can be. Mm. So just train mm. um, and don't look at it as a missed week. Um, just train and set PBs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And if your number gets called, your number gets called. But um, yeah, there were times when it did. But obviously, I missed out a bit. But, mm. And that's the reason why, at the end of, end of the day, I ended up going overseas. You know, mm. nothing, nothing is ever is given to you, um, and expect you never expect in the All Blacks. But um, by the same token, I'd sort of been in and out, like you said, for quite a while. Mm. So it was time to um, to go overseas, and, and and that worked out well too. Mm. And talk to us about the lead up to obviously 2011 Rugby World Cup, huge moment here in New Zealand. Um, did you were you confident you were going to make that squad initially? Yeah, it was a weird it was a weird year. Um, so I broke my jaw that year. That's right, um, Islanders. Three, you just yeah, moved to pre-season, the pre-season. Pre-season. Yeah. So I didn't play any games, and then all of a sudden came back um, after six or seven weeks, and then had three games and, and managed to play really well. Mm. Um, but broke my jaw again, um, and then all of a sudden I was just like, oh, bugger. and I wasn't really thinking World Cup. But mm. then you know, all of a sudden you started getting phone calls from. Like physios and oh yeah, um, just keeping an eye on you and, and, and having to do a few mental skill stuff and, and then sort of you know as you sort of start to connect the dots a wee bit that you know the three games that you did play you played well mm. um, and we liked the cut of your jib so yeah I started going to some leadership stuff during the oh, season yeah. and it was just like you're in yeah so um, and I, to answer your question was I confident going into it no because I didn't play any rugby that year yeah. I played three games in March yeah. April whatever yeah. it was and then you go straight into we had a test Fiji, that was my first game. I think I played a club game or something before that, but um, and then we played straight into shortened Tri Nations and World Cup. So um, in none of those games, I played more than forty minutes. Mm. So that's what I was going into World Cup. And actually, because I sort of rushed back so quickly, I ended up pulling my groin um, about two weeks before um, that Tri Nations. Oh uh, yeah, and I couldn't kick. Oh true. So I ended up having this like at all. Um, Ended up getting like quite bad osteitis pubis mm. for the viewers out there. Mm. It's basically like some, you get too much tension on your groin one side and it pulls down the other and you sort of get a bit of a pelvic bone sort of uh, imbalance. Um, but yeah, days off, couldn't go, couldn't walk, couldn't get out of bed, that sort of stuff, mm. all, all the way through the World Cup. Um, 
So that was really hard to, to be able to handle that as a young guy mm. on the big stage. Mm. And then all of a sudden, DC was the one that goes down with the crook groin. I'm going, hang on. <laughs> I'm the one with the crook groin who's um, you know, pretty much getting physio twice a day for, yeah. and on anti-inflammatories for about nine weeks straight oh, just well. to survive. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, my number, you know, my number was called. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, good Lord. Like, why? out of all the time, you yeah. know, you're your bits to be uh, functioning and, and training as best as you can. You can't. So, um, yeah, I was undercooked, but, um, geez, what an experience. So, yeah. um, you know, obviously it didn't end well for me getting injured yeah. the game after, but... Um, but you sort of knew, did you feel like that was, was going to happen, yeah. obviously, with yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was no surprise to you. Nah, nah. It was a matter of when, not if. Yeah. Um, and because I wasn't playing at DC, the, most games, we only had two 10s back then, yeah. DC would play a 60 and well, 70 or whatever yeah. it was, and if we had the game wrapped up, I'd come on for 15 or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't having high you know, high volume, so yeah. I was getting by, but yeah, as soon as I sort of had to go more than, I played 60 against Canada or 70 against Canada, yeah. and I was, didn't pull up, couldn't kick all week. Like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it is what it is, but yeah, it was awesome to, to get that monkey off our back as a team, I guess, and ride that wave of the country. It was uh, it was pretty special. And how much pressure did you feel come instantly on you when DC went down? Like, yeah, yeah, it was um, oh, certainly a, a lot. Um, and it was it, that was the more frustrating thing is like, it wasn't at a handy to be able mm. to to be able to shoulder that burden. Um, and the team was a little bit a little bit different back then. It wasn't as structured as it was when from to say after the World Cup when. Um, Graham Henry left and, and Steve Hansen took over with Fozzie yeah. it became quite a structured sort of game plan yeah. from then on and it, you could sort of as you can see and happened over the years you could sort of plug out a couple of players plug in a new one it was sort of quite yeah. you know the ship would run um, but those sort of days everything was tailored to the players who was expected to be mm-hmm. starting so mm-hmm. yes I could kick their foot but I had to always stand on the left hand side because that's where DC was for yeah. example so yeah. and that didn't change so you know I was um, still playing what was asked of DC, you know, yeah, and that's yeah. because he was expected to be there and yeah, the rest of it. So, true. and all of a sudden, yeah, like I said, it sort of fell on him while he was there and he yeah. was gone. It was kind of a little bit like everyone was like yeah. looking at each other, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I remember Beaver saying the same thing in his one. Like he, he was asked to do all these kicks that DC used to do, but mm. they weren't part of his game. They weren't his strength. So, yep. always felt like he was trying to be DC when um, he clearly wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard, you know, pretty big boots to follow, <laughs> especially back then, you know, Dizzy was in his prime. and yeah. um, But it didn't work out anyway, and I ended up shitting the bed and getting injured. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Did you have full confidence in Beaver? Did you Did you know he was going to be able to well, I didn't really, steer the ship home? Because when he came in, I'd, I had to leave, so I didn't see or anything of him while he was in the... What do you mean you have to leave? Well, as soon as you got injured, you were gone. Yeah, next day, flew home. Oh, really? Yeah, pretty brutal. brutal. I come back for the game the following week, Yeah, um, but... I mean, it was only because I got injured in the quarterfinal, so I missed the, the semi-final prep and the final prep. Sure. Just come back for the game. So was that just the tournament rules or yeah. just... Yeah, but So did DC had to leave as well? well? He was living in Auckland, so he oh, sort of got okay. that. He sort of got that. Oh, uh, yeah. Pull strength for big dogs. <laughs> Millsy was the same. He got uh, injured the same game as me, but he was in Auckland, so he sort oh, of yeah, yeah. hung around. But So you flew down to Christchurch. You didn't even see the back end of the World Cup other than the game. No. Oh, well, I mean, and then I had, to have, I had surgery and went home and... Oh, got an infection, end up in hospital. Yeah. So you had to have surgery on your groin post that yeah. injury. Oh, yeah. I got an infection in the surgery, and even the week of the final, I was in be hospital bed all week. Where? On the drill. How? Yeah. Had to get a, um, an exemption from the, the match day doctor from oh, the yeah. final to fly yeah. me up. He was going to look after me. Had to get the injections half time. Far out. Had the drip in my arm when I was off on the 
on the stage and shit. But yeah, so no post match celebrations for you. Well, they let me, but to be honest, mate, I was wrecked. So yeah, I just went to bed. But, Go on, burger. Uh, yeah. You went and hit up the gym in the morning with the Franks boys. Fire <laughs> <laughs> no, out. I think they learned from that one when we won fifteen. I don't. Think, oh, yeah. I don't think they did. I think they afforded themselves a day off. <laughs> um, yeah, special. Yeah. So then let's let's go straight to that um, 2015 one. Like the build up, obviously a bit different, but how was that for you? Um, that one was that one was an enjoyable World Cup, right? Yep. We weren't in the spotlight if we were here. Um, we could go out, we could do stuff, you know. And in, in New Zealand, you're sort of stuck to your hotel, and mm. literally that was all we did, except um, CJ. And uh, <laughs> yeah, if you went undercover <laughs> or not so undercover, it, it turns out. But um, yeah, 15 was a great time. I knew going into World Cup that was my last stint as an All Black. So yeah. I knew I was going to enjoy it. Oh, so you'd already signed with Poe at this yep, stage? Yeah, I sort of announced that. Well, was that ever going to affect your chances of making the World Cup, or did that ever come into your process? Um, it certainly does, mm. right? Like you want to you want to play the World Cup, but they still pick me. So yeah, <laughs> you didn't you didn't have discussions with them whether it yeah, would. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean they tried they pretty hard to, for me to stay. I was, oh, you know, yeah. I was back at the Crusaders by that stage, mm. um, and we were going right. Um, we didn't go right that year, but you know I was playing all right, so. Um, and DC was leaving, so you know Steve obviously wants to keep as many players as he wanted to. But you know, like I'd set my mind on playing overseas early rather than yeah. later. I think um, you know you sort of get caught in this spiral of uh, messages, I guess, that to stay in New Zealand, be loyal, and that's fine. Some guys want to do it, but mm. it's a big world out there, and we didn't have kids. So I was twenty seven, twenty eight, no. um, going overseas and experiencing that. And mm. geez, I'm glad I did. Mm. Nah, no, so cool, eh? Like. The experiences you get over there, like like you say, and even in France, I never played in France, one of the places I didn't play, but watching it, just like how they support their teams and getting behind the, their competitions, pretty yeah. impressive, eh? Some of my best memories, rugby memories, are in France. Yeah. Um, and that's not to discredit New Zealand, but those crowds over there are just so passionate. So yeah. even when you play away, like yeah. it's a great environment to be yeah. in. It's just uh, pretty daunting, but yeah, so passionate after the games, everything like that, just... Yeah, it's yeah. an amazing, amazing place. But even outside of rugby, just being able to travel, mm-hmm. do all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we all sort of get caught up in our rugby careers during that time, and that's fine. But, mm-hmm. we, you know, this is part of just a small part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to go overseas and do all that sort of stuff, they are memories that I'll, you know, I'll never, never forget. And back to that 2015 World Cup. So were you expecting to make that squad, or were you sort of on the fringe again? Well, I'd, I'd played 2014, played with the All Blacks. Yeah. Um, and gone right in India to it so I had a good idea a good feeling anyway but yeah I suppose it was confirmed when Cruden um, Aaron broke his oh, knee that's right. I believe in yeah. um, ACL maybe earlier in the season yeah. so that sort of helped my chances or cemented my chances mm-hmm. I guess but I mean even then I think you know, I kind of knew you had Desi Bodie I was going to be number three, mm. and I mentally I accepted that. Mm. I was going to be ready, but like, I wasn't going to let that, let that affect me. And mm. obviously not having enjoyed 2011, I knew I was going to enjoy it. It's my last crack. Mm. I just love it. And, and I didn't, even though I wasn't playing, I just, that, was a, yeah, that was a great great way to finish my all-black career. Yeah, and was it the lead-up to that tournament where you, I remember you kicking a real clutch goal against the Wallabies. I can't remember exactly where it fits on the time frame. But yes, that was 2014. That was oh, the year was before, it? but yeah. Yeah. What do you remember about that moment? Obviously, teams on you kicking the goal, whether we win or lose the game, and you know what New Zealand's like with uh, mm. all black games. Uh, a lot of pressure yeah. on your shoulders to kick a winning goal like that. I might have been going to France a year earlier if I'd missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't have come back either. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was obviously yeah a highlight of my career. Yeah. You know? 
um, plenty of team highlights, but an individual one that one was too. So um, I think you know the amount of times I've done that in the backyard as a mm. as a nine year old, um, I was definitely ready for it. Mm. Um, it's it's stuff dreams are made of, I guess, and get the opportunity um, and then be able to be able to do it. It's pretty uh, pretty awesome. Are you confident lining up kicks like that? And we always like throughout your career, you always had a fair few clutch kicks. Are we always confident lining up back yourself? In these situations, I mean, not always, and mm. I think that's something you develop, and that would be, you know, advice that I sort of pass on now. Is um, you know, we tend to think of the negative if we miss, mm. right? but it is like a hell of a good challenge to get something, get yeah. an opportunity like that. And um, I've sort of shaped it quite a lot over the years, and changed my my mentality around that sort of stuff. That it is, um, you know, if you just do normal things, you're only going to get normal results. You mm. mean you get those, you know, those um, extraordinary opportunities is when you get the you know, mm. the, the rewards and things like that and, and the satisfaction. and So, yeah, even now, like, I, you know, if we're playing a game, I did lawn bowls the other day with my first work function and, you know, you want to go last, you want that pressure bowl. It's just, yeah, the other sort of thing. Did you come now. up clutch? Yeah, always, mate. No, I went the wrong way. <laughs> That's not something I'll back my skill at. You know, like, cricking I've done 10,000, I feel like I've done my 10,000 hours, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawn bowl, no. And it, you, you spoke about the lack of game time at that World Cup. I think one game against Namibia where you got the crack. Yeah, I did. I actually did my hammy in that game too. Oh, so it's sort of yeah. And I, you weren't sent home though. No, I told the physio, no, it's, it's not too bad. But I knew third ten, I probably was going to have a couple of weeks to get right if yeah. needed. Um, and I didn't want to be the guy that get kicked out of two World Cups. So it was, um, yeah, it wasn't a, a bad one. I could sort mm. jog. I just couldn't sprint. But yeah, wasn't needed. So. And what were you like watching the final? Um, it was I was pretty pumped. Yeah. So I remember I remember it very well because you know we had our bonus. I know that's a hot topic <laughs> at the moment, but, but you know obviously is it we put so much effort into this and we had so many guys retiring and yeah. obviously myself you know yeah to to a lesser degree leaving that that environment. Did anyone carry you on their shoulders? <laughs> I don't remember you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. it just happened in the changing room. Which it was just one other bloke. <laughs> but no, no, no. I mean, they had their moment. They deserved it. But um, yeah, it was it was massive. I was sitting. I had Willie Piala next to me and oh, yeah. um, White Crockett, Joe Lock, the media guy. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, and we were just we were overhyping it. We yeah. were probably the most uh, charismatic <laughs> blokes in the in the, in the, in the, in the stands. But uh, it was awesome. It was just an unbelievable experience, that one. Yeah. If you were on the field, would you have um, scored that try? What do you reckon? Have you ever thought about that? Obviously, Ben DeFitz a kick through. You're fresh. Everyone's fresh. tired. Hell yeah. If I was fresh, yeah. Hammy's definitely. probably still a little bit tight, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, would you have got there? Uh, I'd like to think I maybe would have. But hey, yeah. Hypothetical. Oh, hypothetical. mate. Oh, what a way to finish. And kicked it off your bad foot. That's easy for you though, right? <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it was it was equally as good, you know. Like it's um, like I said, we had so many legends going out. It was a good way to finish. Mm. And you moved to France, so you you did go a bit earlier. What what was your reason? You did want to play in these bigger games over there, but obviously financially, rumours have circled around the size of that pay package. And my word, that was it would have been pretty hard to turn down. Is that the big reason or? The exchange rate went quite good after, after I signed too. Um, He's the yeah. financial advisor, and yeah. <laughs> you're always making those thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, initially, obviously, you, you're looking to secure some bank balance, yep. right? But um, like I mentioned, it was a good life experience to, to go overseas and live somewhere else. It was something I always wanted to do. Mm. So yeah, money stacks up. But do you want to give up on your dream? You have to weigh that up. Um, I was in a bit of a battle, so I mean, you know, I've done it for sort of five or six years, mm. but. So I felt like I'd take that box, played at two World Cups, 
money, yep, let's shore that up, but also let's go and travel and do some mm. stuff and, and then kids. And it was actually a chat with, um, I, t- I called both um, Ali Williams and Corey Flynn, who were both over in, well, overseas at, that, at the time, uh, and they both loved it. The, mm. the comment that stuck with me was if I knew it was this good, I would have come earlier. Mm. And I figured at 27 I could have gone, it was dog shit, I'd come back. Yeah, you know, I could could do plenty. Of guys do, but um, but yeah, nothing would be worse than going over thirty two, thinking this is awesome. Mm. Um, we should have come earlier, and I'm glad I did because you know we went over there, no kids for a couple of years, and just travelled. There's pretty much not a country we went to, we didn't go to, mm. um, and yeah, then kids came along and we couldn't do anything. Like that, so I thought, <laughs> bugger, it, we're out of here. Let's go to Japan. <laughs> yeah. Where was your favourite spot to travel? Ah, oh, all different for different things. Yeah, also got you know the Greek islands and and that sort of stuff. Croatia, they were amazing for, yeah. for that sort of lifestyle. But then you've got the, the history. Like I'm out of you know the random stuff I've done. I've got a history degree, mm-hmm. um, and I've studied all that you know all sure. that sort of stuff. And even obviously even, even in London and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That sort of stuff's pretty cool. But then you you know you go well, anywhere Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And that's just amazing. There's mm-hmm. so much history over there. Italy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Rome was probably was the first place I went to, and that was just you know. Mind blowing stuff over there to, yeah. to be able to go over and see it in the flesh. Yeah, so cool. Eh? And um, you obviously had heaps of Kiwis um, at Poe as well. Conrad Smith, Ben Smith came, Whopper, yep. all these guys have been on. So, um, what was it like playing with them? Oh, it was awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to to play against and with these guys in a New Zealand environment. You yeah. go overseas and it's you become way tighter because of the you know the the smaller group of you, right? So it's yeah. um, the family's got pretty tight. We're, you know, we had a great time over there. Jeez, we, um, you know, we we went up and down with the rugby. We had some good times, but you know, the off the field stuff, the memories that we did, we created, uh, were pretty special. Um, again, it definitely helps. We had a massive Kiwi contingent, and as mm-hmm. soon as one one of them left, we had another one come in. And, yeah, um, Kiwi coaching staff. It was, uh, yeah, great part of the world, mate. Great and, part of the world. And how did you find the style of footy over there compared to here? Yeah, it was challenging, right? You're not playing with. All Blacks, mm. you're playing with French guys who are good in their own right and mm. certainly the best form international team at the moment. But mm. it was more the mentality of the play, and you've got to adjust your game style to that. They're not, they don't win because of skill; they win because of passion and um, heart and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. They're just incredible, incredible rugby players when they when they apply themselves. So you sort of have to manage a game plan to how mm. they're feeling. Mm. All right, if they're, if they're on, let them go. Um, if they're not, then you're going to have to kick it and, yeah. and manage it that way. But and obviously, you know, we're all about detail here in New Zealand. They're, yeah. they're not about detail. They're, again, about passion. Sort of filling in the blanks with a bit of passion, which is something that I've learned now as a yeah. coach is that yeah. um, you can get caught up on detail a lot. Um, sometimes too much detail creates a bit of hesitancy, mm. right? Mm. And you sort of like second-guess yourself, whereas, you know, roll the sleeves out, get into it. Mm. If you want to tackle that guy, you'll tackle him, mm. um, as opposed to potentially, you know, getting your foot in the right spot, ready, 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 mm. all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's stuff that I've learned now um, and can appreciate that from a from an hour of coaching perspective. Mm. But... Um, yeah, again, plenty of, plenty of learnings on how to operate and you had to adapt to, to the French style. Yeah, it's interesting hearing you're managing the emotions of the team, so like picking up when they're good to go, when they're not, just through emotions. So, so different to what it's like here. Yep, yep. And I mean, even when you're at home or away, you, you do play differently. Yeah. Because um, that pulls on the emotions. Yeah, true, yeah. Is that why they lose so, like, main, always win their home games and lose their away games? Is, is that. Basically, typically, yeah. I mean, they've gotten better. Yeah, we got we got a bit better. Um, we had some Kiwi guys sort of involved, so that mentality we tried to sort of get rid of. But mm. yeah, for the most part, yeah, the fans do play a big big part on 
whether it's swinging the players or the ref, mm, yeah, um, mm. they have this thing where the home crowd just continually whistles at yeah. the big screen, and obviously the big screen's kind of controlled by like a, a hometown <laughs> bloody TV man. So it's uh, any foul play comes up, it's just on repeat, repeat. Oh, right, yeah, the whistling yeah. starts, the ref has to make a call. Yeah, you get one in the bin. Sure, yeah. that's pretty much how it happened. But it's all part of the yeah. theatre of, yeah. of French rugby, right? Like yeah. that's what it's that's what it is. Oh, so cool. So then, why did you go to Japan? What what was the reason behind the move to Japan? Um, just age. Just, yeah. yeah, too game, many games, games long yeah, seasons. Uh, the long seasons up there, and it's not necessarily just the games you play; it's the repetitiveness of of the training, the the environment. You know, you're, you're basically together as a squad for forty six yep. weeks, forty five weeks, whatever it is. Mm. You're five weeks off, do it all over again. So it's not like in New Zealand you do your item cup, you go to your Super Rugby or your yeah. All Blacks, whatever you mix yeah. it up the environment. But yep, just needed a change. Too many head knocks. Play some easier rugby, mm. you know, and and had the family a little bit closer to home. So we started to accumulate kids while we we're overseas. You see, so. All of a sudden, being a little bit home for longer and closer yeah. to grandparents became uh, a bit more of a priority. How many kids have you got? So I got three, three girls. True, three yeah, girls. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Go to girl dads. <laughs> uh, so yeah, five, three, and one. Um, so they're a good handful. Oh, you all go. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I had to get back to the workforce, <laughs> mate. I had to get to the office. Get, get out. Look, I'm out. Nine to five. Oh, I can't help. Sorry. <laughs> So what? Why did you choose uh, the Dino Boars? Big Doug pick and pull was it? Yeah, no, nah, it was just quite honestly they had a spot. Yeah. Uh, they needed a, a ten, and they had a Kiwi coach there who I'd had a previous relationship with. Um, he was my New Zealand twenty one coach, so oh, Greg yeah. Cooper. So he, yeah, he had that sort of connection and got me over there. But um, yeah, you don't really turn down a gig over there. Mm. Yeah, anywhere that's got a gig open, you sort of just <laughs> take it. Um, Depending on the time, you've got the rules around cap yeah. players. You can only have a certain amount of international players in a, in a squad. So if they've got a spot for it for an international ten, you you kind of jump at it. Mm. It was a perfect thing for me. It's worked out really well. Um, great part of the world to live in. We dealt with COVID, but so we didn't get the full package. Was that COVID both years you were there? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're still dealing with it now to mm. a certain extent. It's a little bit better, but not not so much the outbreak. It's just more or, or government restrictions. It's just team restrictions. Don't get COVID. Pretty mm. much. And, they listen over there. Mm. It's a weird culture where they actually listen to the government. <laughs> yeah. Listen to everything, eh? Yeah. No one will walk across and they the road without a green green walking yeah. man ever. Oh, everything like that. It's uh yeah. It's funny now. You sort of see like Kiwis are sort of rebellious, I guess, but yeah. we certainly express our um, disappointment on things, but you know, that is yeah, shut up and comply and it's uh it's interesting. Yeah, did you feel that on the field as well with the players and like the the rugby culture as well? Very um, yes, coach. I'll do that, coach. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, and they look for they look to be told. They don't assume. Mm. Um, so you had to deal with that too. But again, it was my job there as a as an experienced team going over there and helping out a um, you know young team or, a, or we were a Div Two team coming up to Div One. Mm. And again, just uh, another awesome opportunity to get a life experience and go and play in a different culture and live there. Mm. And you summed up the French. And you know, style with emotions and juggling their emotions. How would you sum up the Japanese style? What do you have to weigh up there? Well, it's probably the inverse. You know, yeah. like they, they would tend to go in their shallow wee, but if yeah. they made mistakes and, and wouldn't get it like emotion, they get shy. And yeah, I found that a different challenge, but yeah, it was quite nice sort of a just yeah, being their teacher and helping them as much as I can. Mm, no doubt they're in a better place with um, their experience with you. Well, you have to ask them that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see how they go this year, I guess. But I didn't play a lot last year. I sort of, uh, yeah, had a few injuries last year, so that's why it yeah, sort of culminated in me uh, retiring. Any major injuries, those ones? 
Or was that head again? Yeah, yeah. So I sort of got chucked on my head, a um, bit of a spare tackle, and felt a bit of a crack in my neck. So I tried to sort of retire a little bit earlier, but yeah, got tempted to come back and play, and then yeah, went and snapped my bicep. <laughs> Ten minutes back into my comeback game, and that was the end of my career. So, so one, you got one more neck. surgery for the road, <laughs> yeah. no, and no more injuries well, since. Touch wood, but um, oh, you'll be playing touch tonight too, won't you? So, have you? How are you going on the touch field? I'm not playing tonight. Are you not? I oh. run, yeah, I did the Queenstown Marathon on the weekend. Oh, you see, and my toenails are black, so I can't put my boots on. So, what inspired you to do a marathon? Uh, I, yeah, good question. I'm questioning that now myself. Yeah. No, I thought, well, you know, I, it's kind of one of those bucket list things too yeah. you want to do at some stage. And I thought, well, I'm only just retired. I'm only still semi-athletic mm. enough to be able to cope. Well, I thought I'd be able to cope, and she fell to pieces at the end. And but yeah, it's a it's a big commitment, doing it, yeah. training and all that sort of stuff. But I thought, oh, why not do it? And How yeah. much training did you put in before it? Um, yeah, quite a bit. Yep, yep. So I did I did quite a bit, and I thought I got myself the best shot. But I, yeah, I got caught up on the hills a wee bit. What do you mean caught up on the hills? What What does that mean? Uh, well, no, just sort of ran out of path. You know, oh, if you yeah. don't train hills, you know, it was quite oh, hilly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I'd been running around Hackley Park, which you would have found out, <laughs> It's a pretty flat uh, running track. Uh, but um, yeah, get hit on those hills and it sort of beat me up a wee bit. Sure. Didn't have enough gas in the tank, but. Mm. So what What happened? Did you? Just just hit the wall, mate. You know, the people will tell you about this marathon wall and just, uh, yeah. you hit the wall and just run out of fuel, your legs cramp up and you just, oh, yeah. yeah sort of a walk jog for the last sort of 3k oh true it was a bit frustrating because I yeah, had a good sort of front three quarters yeah but, uh, you were on track for a PB yeah, my first <laughs> ever marathon yeah 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 it would have been uh, oh I was quite happy with my time yeah until the last sort of yeah 20 minutes or whatever it just sort of ruined it but. how much of a mental battle was it must have been well next level yeah I, mean, I prepared for the mental stuff because David I, Goggins yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that guy he annoys me <laughs> He would not I'm be happy with you complaining sure about just, your toenails. He starts his video about two minutes before his, <laughs> I mean, two minutes after his run. But um, yeah, I mean, the body shuts down. It shuts down. Yeah, um, and the mind was willing because I just wanted to get to the end of it. But yeah, just you know, I, looked, I felt like a baby giraffe taking it through steps. <laughs> you know, trying to take a drink and all legs for yeah. Any more? Oh, no, done. Mm, oh, yeah, you I might go I'll, again. Yeah, I think I will. On a flat track, yeah. So the Christchurch runs <laughs> in April, so oh, I might is give it, it a crack. Oh, yeah, is that around Hagley Park? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty honest. <laughs> I got the local la- local legend on Strava for the most amount of runs around Hagley Park. In oh, have you? Yeah, oh, wow. So I've got to defend my territory, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. So, mate, obviously, what a career. But like, how do you look back on your career when you reflect on it? Yeah, well, I mean, it is interesting coming back to New Zealand now, and it's it's amazing how much. World moves on, and mm. you certainly don't get the recognition and stuff that you did had when you were here. But yeah. I mean, I've kind of been away for seven years, so yeah. it kind of felt like I've retired from New Zealand rugby for seven years. Mate, your old news quick, eh? And and rugby, yeah. like you feel like well, obviously you like a Crusaders legend, All Black, and people don't even know you. Yep, that's exactly right. But I mean, it is quite refreshing. I got used to that overseas. You yeah. travel around Europe yeah. and you go sit in a cafe by yourself and not feel like a complete loser. Like yeah. it is just life. And yeah. I'd become accustomed to that and realised, you know, while I was silly about it before I left that you wouldn't do that. But, mm. you know, I'm back to doing that again now and <laughs> on my laptop and doing stuff. So it's, uh, it is quite nice to sort of come back. But, 
Yeah, you're sort of crack on with life, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. does feel like a long time ago, though, that I was playing. So like, it sort of feels like, whether that's a head knocks or not, but uh, <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago, you know? <laughs> you're real unsure on your head knocks, eh? <laughs> I'm pretty confident, mate. You're the one bringing it up. <laughs> oh, I'm unsure. <laughs> hey, but anyway, we've gone to the Instagram for some questions and we've... Can we ignore everything from Mike Coleman? <laughs> okay, Moose ones are deleted, but we will ask this one. I'm not sure who this one came from. Ask him what happened when he threw his strapping tape at Franksy and it landed in his protein shake. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's what happened. Uh, I, and that's one of my flatmates. But, yeah, of course, me and Franksy had a bit of biffo. And he wasn't as big as he was now. But not that I was. He was still way bigger than me, so I don't know why I said that. But, yeah, we were sitting on the couch and there was a bin in the corner. Tried to throw a strapping tape in the bin. Landed in his, <laughs> like, the most miraculous. Bounced off three walls and landed in his protein The worst blender. face. Oh, <laughs> And it was just like, oh, I know what we're in for here. <laughs> Brings it over to me, fucking take it out. <laughs> it was an accident. I didn't even know it was in there. You know, like, oh, yeah. Anyway, good bonding. Did you scrap him? How, no, oh, no. No. Did he get you up I'm against the wall? Stupid. I'm not that stupid. Nah, nah, not really. I can't really remember what happened. <laughs> don't say it. Don't say it. No, nah, I'm ignoring that one. I know. It was a long time ago. <laughs> that was nearly... That was nearly 20 years, 18 years ago. So, oh, <clears throat> Quick mess. Okay, next one. How accurate did you think the actor who played you in The Kick was? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't remember yeah. it. I honestly I can't. Do, I do because it was yeah. – I don't remember it specifically, but I remember oh. being very scrawny and – yeah, so <laughs> probably pretty accurate, I'd say. He was a good-looking bloke, though, wasn't he, surely? Was he? No. <laughs> uh, did he ever, like, touch base with you around, like – Characteristics or anything. I don't like even that. think he spoke. To be fair, oh, ended yeah. up being quite a like a minor in and role. out. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much what happened, wasn't it? Yeah, mate, they downsold your like surgery and you know having to get your injections at half time and all that. They could have had a little. Part. That doesn't make a good story though, does it? <laughs> More of a sob story. <laughs> okay, next one. Any tips for coping mentally with high profile injuries? Yep, yep. Um, just get stuck in the process. Yeah. Um, rather than worry about the outcome and all the all the consequences, does yeah. that make sense? So mm. it's not so much worry about, you know, I'm missing opportunity and all that sort of stuff. It is trying to create and structure a positive mindset mm. um, to the whole thing. That oh, well, this is a good opportunity to work on my left foot or uh, mm. come back stronger or get faster. Um, and, and this isn't just my mentality. I've seen other players do it. Some of them train really hard. Some of them getting a bit beat up. Yeah, a bit bloody depressed about it, but. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, you've got two options. You can either give up or you can get back on the horse. And um, if you don't want to give up, then well, that makes gives you the answer, doesn't it? Mm. You can get back on the horse, so why not do it properly? Mm. Mate, like that. Good one. Okay, next one. Who's the best player you ever played with? Um, you would have played with a few, actually. Yeah. All I mean, the greats. Yeah. I mean, you'll say Richie. Um, and, like, wasn't a, an ability thing. He had the ability, but it was more his commitment to it mm. um, and the consistency around everything. Mm. Um, didn't have off days didn't have you know he didn't really do that um yeah he probably definitely stands out mm. well next time you see him at the trampoline park <laughs> <laughs> let him know that you voted him as the greatest ever yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's special okay last question always ask this one always finish with this one best piece of advice you have for a woodland listener you've given a fair bit already with injuries and mm. how to manage your life and finances but yeah come and see Forsyth Bar <laughs> That's a good advice. Are you taking on clients? Uh, not yet. Not no, yet. So it's a compliance process that I'm going through now. So I've got to yeah, 
do all that, but you let me know, and mate, the Waterland listeners will be flying <laughs> yeah. in to get yeah, some financial yeah, yeah. advice from you after this. But yeah. anyway, let's get to your advice. Um, I suppose with rugby related, I'm, I'm assuming. Any. Um, well, I suppose it's any. I mean, two things that I always sort of say: you, you get in what you put out. Yeah. Um, the minute you're doing stuff to um, just tick boxes, mm. you won't get better. Mm. Um, so yeah, really let that one sort of sink in. I guess that you're, the harder you work, the more you get. Pretty simple. And the other one is uh, you know collect the one percenters and make habits. You know it is very hard to create good habits. Mm. You need to commit to them. Very easy to accumulate bad habits. Mm. Um, so yeah, you've got to actually really make a conscious effort to collect the one percenters and get, turn, make good habits, and, and then remove the bad habits. And I mean, they build up pretty quickly, um, and all of a sudden you don't have to consciously think about them; they become part of you. You get better. Everyone wants. Mm, I love that. I've just read Atomic Habits. I'm not sure if that's yep. where you got your advice from, but that is oh, mm. world class. Yeah, no, I mean it's something that uh, you know I, I do to this day, even I'm not a footy player anymore. Mm. Um, as it is to say that <laughs> it is kind, but, uh, you might be you might be <laughs> Richie goes down early hey, who knows don't, mate, wish that, don't wish that on anybody stay ready <laughs> I'm training for a marathon mate so I'll be ready yeah. oh mate well anyway it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast what a career what a journey you're a, you're a legend of the game and you're a legend of Christchurch so it's been um, awesome having you on the podcast and going through your story pleasure absolute pleasure thank you you're a lad what a lad, what a lad, what a lad, what a lad.